Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson, helping you be better briefed. I'm Alistair Clark, politics reporter for The Courier. In this special episode, we bring you analysis from the Scottish Labour Conference in Glasgow, where the party faithful gathered to debate policy issues and hear key speeches. Myself and Sunday Post political editor Derek Healy were joined by Nicola Sturgeon's former Chief of Staff Liz Lloyd and former Scottish Labour Director of Communications Alan Roden to discuss Labour leader in Asarwar's blockbuster speech. The Glasgow MSP, who took on what was once known as the worst job in Scottish politics back in 2021, received a hero's welcome from the home crowd, arriving on stage to the tune of Sea as Unstoppable. And it was all changed, with an Asarwar telling the crowd no fewer than 60 times just how much change in the UK really mattered, making clear that for his party, the general election campaign would be as much a referendum on the SNP's record at Holyrood as a fight to make Sir Keir Starmer the next resident of 10 Downing Street. Derek started off by asking Alan, a former political editor of the Scottish Daily Mail, what he thought of the speech. Yeah, I think the conference is incredibly upbeat, and, and this this was a really important speech for, for Anna Sauer. It's probably the first time I think people are looking at him as a, a potential future first minister. So you think where he was three years ago when he when he, when he came to power, and even no one gave him you know hope of being you know leader of the country a few years later. And but he is now in that position where come twenty twenty six. You know, a lot can change, but there's a strong possibility he'll be, you know, contesting, you know, to, to, to enter Butte House and be first minister. So it was an important speech. And I think with the general election coming up uh, at some point uh, later this year, it was a chance for him to set out his stall and particularly trying to appeal to previous SNP voters, pro-independent supporters and why they might vote Labour uh, at this general election. It's quite an emotive speech. It was, it was well regarded in the hall, I thought, but... It felt like it was focused on messaging, but maybe a little bit light on policy. What do you think are the kind of key things that he'd, he'd want to get across in that speech? And did he do it effectively? Yeah, I mean, you'll see it everywhere throughout conference. The word change is emblazoned on, on, on everything, on the, on the front of the programme, uh, on the podium. And, you know, and that's had this, this riff he was constantly doing of that's what change means. That's why change change matters. So it was a very rhetoric um, heavy, heavy speech. Um, you're right, there, wa- there weren't many policies in there. The one policy there was, um, was on using money created uh, from by a UK Labour government uh, policy on non-DOM tax status and then how a Scottish Labour government in the future would use that within the NHS. So that was trying to give the impression that you could only get this by having a, a Labour government you know, on, on both in Westminster um, and, in, and in Holyrood. But largely, like I say, I think it was trying to appeal to the wider parts of Scotland why they should vote um, and Labour. And maybe just go a little bit beyond that, you know, just uh, it's not just about kicking out the Tories, it's also about, you know, Change in the country. As you're far more used to being at SNP conferences and Labour ones, <laughs> what did you make of the speech and, and the reaction to it? Yeah, I'm finding it a little disconcerting walking around <laughs> a Labour Party conference. Um, I think it was good on the rhetoric. You know, you can't deny that he got across the message that, uh, you know, he's trying to push about Labour being change. So you, you left the speech thinking, well, I know they want change, but it was policy light. So I don't know what change means. Mm. You know, I know change means no Tories, but at the end of that speech, I don't know what it means beyond that. And I kind of kept sitting there going, get to the policy, get to the policy. What are you actually going to do? And apart from that NHS announcement, which is meaningful, but also, you know, you could see the SNP government doing the same thing and saying, look, more than 164 million goes into health each year anyway as a top up. So, you know, what's what's the additionality there? Um, I was just sort of waiting for the meat, for the substance. And if I'm that SNP Labour swing voter, I'm still left asking why 
why am I switching from the SNP to Labour? It was good tonally. I think it was where the Labour Party needs to be for itself. Mm. But I'm not quite sure it was where the Labour Party needs to be for the voter whose mind it wants to change. Interesting that there's a lot of kind of references to some of the SNP's woes, both in Sarwar's speech and I think just throughout today there's been a number yeah. of references. How, how much do you think some of those have opened the door here for Labour? So they've definitely opened the door, but and I, I, you know, I don't say that a large chunk of voters are actually sitting watching, you know, a full Labour conference speech. I don't think anybody would say that they are. Um, but if you are that swing voter, the fact that more of the speech was devoted to attacking the SNP than to telling me what the Labour Party is going to do, is that going to change my mind? Mm. You know, or am I just thinking, well, he's just doing down the thing that I voted for for the last 10 years, so I'm not sure I'm going to give him my vote now. So there was some of little touches, little nuances that, you know, if you were really trying to reach out, you would have done differently. I think that's part of the learning process for Labour. They're not used to being in this position in Scotland. <laughs> very, tr- very true. <laughs> you know, in a sense, it's kind of baby steps, first try at it. Um, maybe they'll get it better for next time. Um, but yeah, those 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 SNP woes, I mean, they have opened the door and that's part of what I think Labour are riding on and where I think they haven't quite sealed the deal with voters in Scotland and perhaps the way that they have in, in England is they're doing well because the SNP aren't doing as well as it normally does. The mm. SNP's not yet doing badly and Labour hasn't yet given people that extra reason to change their vote. Um, would you agree with that? I'm sure you would have enjoyed some of the headlines with your communications director. <laughs> but ha- have, have Labour capitalised enough on that? Have they driven home that message of what they're going to do differently? Um, and I, I, think, I think that's all very fair comments from Liz, actually. Um, I think probably the, the pace at which the, uh, you know, the Labour's um, recovered in the polls has taken everyone by surprise, including the Labour Party um, it, itself. So I think, as Liz says, you know, ha- it's not used to being in this, uh, th- this position. Um, and that's why it is, I think it's fair to say, it is policy light um, at, at this stage. So, yeah. I mean, it's not just negative headlines for the SNP. Labour have had, I think, a bit of a tough week. A rough week. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they, they have. But I mean, if you, then if you look at the by-election results in, in England last night, you know, um, I don't think that's had any impact at all. I, you're right, there has been a tough week for, for, for Keir Starmer, um, and there will be other tough, week, tough weeks ahead. But I, I feel we're at a stage now where there's very little that's going to affect the outcome of the general election. I think, you know, UK-wide, I, I think we're heading for, for a Labour government, and I don't think any kind of bad week for Keir Starmer is going to affect that. I mean, what did you make of it? Obviously, we had a North Sea windfall tax, twenty-eight billion pounds in green pledges. Yeah, I think, I think there's a sense down south that Labour have got away with that sort of U-turn to the extent that it is a U-turn to walking backwards on that pledge, and with the sort of change to the North Sea windfall kind of tax. And you could see Anna today saying that you know I'm going to stand by this windfall tax. I'm going to do it for consumers. Nobody votes for the profits of big energy companies, but separately there are energy companies here who are very angry and you know it's clear that that pain is being felt it's not all manufactured and that there are parts of industry who are not impressed with what labor have done and i think labor almost made that worse for themselves by coming up and doing the loving mm-hmm. you know over the last few months and then suddenly switching on what they promise people it would probably have been better never to have done the loving in the first place than take the pain of having like taken that away from people from industry um so I think that's definitely had a knock-on effect. And if I had been UK Labour coming to this Scottish conference, I would have given Anna something today to make up for what we'd done over the 28 billion mm-hmm. and the North Sea windfall tax. I would have given them a policy to announce for, Scot- for Scotland that UK government or UK Labour government would do. And they didn't do that. And I think they really missed a trick on that because it's a sign that they're not really thinking about what voters in Scotland are looking for from a UK Labour government. 
Yeah, I think I should show that. Although having worked uh, for Scottish Labour and trying to get the uh, UK Labour Party to to give you anything is a pretty challenging task. So I think but, I think you played a little bit easier in the SNP. But, than, in, than but a, in the same time, that kind of tells you the same problems that you'll have yes. with a UK Labour government and a Scottish government trying to get things for Scotland. It, if yeah. you can't get it out of them when they're just a party, you know, in opposition. It doesn't make it easier when they're in government. It actually makes it harder. And I think that, that is reflected in the in the issues we've seen this week in the in the, in the northeast because yeah. Scottish Labour, you know, wants to support uh, the, the northeast, but UK Labour looks at the electoral map and goes, "Well, we're not going to win any seats up in yeah. the northeast. Why why should we care?" And that's the challenge you, you've got, you know. And, and I still think one of the biggest problems that is that you know. While Kieran and us get on incredibly well and incredibly close, there was still a bit of a disconnect between just the yeah. UK Labour Party operation and the Scottish Labour Party like, operation. Coming into this, if I thought right, this is me sort of switching into. If I was the Labour Party strategist, mm. I'd be saying right. So we've done the 28 billion, we've done the North Sea windfall. We keep saying GB Energy is going to be in Scotland. The only reason for not saying it's in Aberdeen, as far as I can tell, is that it's not going to be in Aberdeen. Mm -hmm. They could have turned up here and said it's going to be in Aberdeen, and they didn't. Also, I know you've covered some of the kind of reaction that's been going on in the North East. How angry are people? How, how serious has the reaction been towards us? Yeah, I mean, I think people are worried. Um, people are concerned about their future. They've seen the Aberdeen, the city, the area around Aberdeen, you know, begin to suffer. But I think um, in a lot of ways that... The, the problems are the problems that are reflected across Scotland. Um, and I think one of the things about um, Anas' speech today that I think um, might, have been, might have been slightly missed is that this wasn't a speech to make him First Minister. And he wasn't setting out a stall to do that. He was, he, his speech was, if you'd listened to FMQs for the last year, it was a repeat of what, uh, the, the problems that he raises every single week. Mm -hmm. And it set out. And um, I think actually for people in Aberdeen and people in, in Fife, Dundee, they'll actually recognise a lot of that because it's stuff that they see. Mm. Um, so the NHS waiting list, for example, mental health waiting lists. Um, and I, I think a lot of people will, will, will sort of see that and feel that. They'll recognise it. And I think that will, um, like Liz said, you know, they're, they're probably not listening to the full speech, but when it's reported... Um, I, th I think they will. I think they will be able to reflect on that and say, you know, well, he's he's speaking to the problems we know. Um, it will be for then him to convince them when when it is a Scottish Parliament election that he's got the answers to fix those problems, and that that will be the important part for Scottish Labour. And I think, um, think Anas has been been working quite hard on that. One thing he's done differently to other previous leaders and other politicians uh, I've dealt with is he gets out of Parliament an awful lot. He spends as little time in the Scottish Parliament as 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 he can. So he's actually out there meeting meeting people meeting businesses so we can get these stories that he referenced in, in his speech today because it's very easy just to get embroiled in all the parliamentary um, events that are going on uh, and not get out and actually meet people and, and he is doing that differently certainly. Yeah I think the challenge is to take those stories and this is you know I'll be fair to Labour for Hollywood purposes they've got another year to sort this out for mm -hmm. Westminster purposes it should be sorted by now is you know you hear all those problems you tell those stories but what's your answer and there's a lot of we will do something different without any meat to that, without any substance to that. Just You can't just magically say that things are going to be different. There has to be a how. And, you know, I think Labour still have a lot of work to do. They have time to do it for Holyrood. I don't really think they have the time left to do it for Westminster. But to say, how are they going to make these things different? How are they going to improve them? You know, you can criticise ferries and taxes and all this kind of stuff. But there was no, so we will do X instead. It was just left blank.
And Liz, I'm interested, um, as somebody who would have responded to this speech um, or a party leader's speech, is it harder to respond to a speech like this or a policy-led speech? Um, how, how, as, how um, will I, this I, a good question. I'll give the game away because Alan would have responded <laughs> to many a Nicola Sturgeon speech that I wrote. I bet Alan had every response to Nicola Sturgeon speech written before she stood up, <laughs> just as I bet the S&P press office have their response to Anna Sauer's yeah. speech written before he stood up. It doesn't matter what they say. You say what you think about. Yeah. You say what you care about. And that's part of why I think a little bit too much time was spent attacking the opposition today and not enough time on what was he for. How would you respond to it if you're advising someone, you know, what is the best way to come back at this speech? I mean, mostly it doesn't really matter because you're going to get 30 seconds on a news bulletin and he's going to get the majority of the coverage because the rules kind of do that when you do a conference mm -hmm. speech. It's the main reason for doing them. Um, I think today I would have been sort of honing in on there was nothing here for people in Scotland from a Westminster government that wasn't here before Anna Sawa stood up. So we've heard the employment stuff before, we've heard the energy stuff before. They, you could say, shafted Scotland this week with the deal on 28 and the North Sea windfall, and they didn't make up for it today. So you could still make a good argument for neglect and for being an afterthought in uh, UK Labour's thinking from our speech today. And Alan, um, just one thing I wanted to ask. And Alan would dispute every word of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you you did the job in Labour, but but for a long time before that, we're coming to Labour Party conferences. Yeah. Um, how does this compare to 2015, 2016 today? Um, is it, is well, it different? I mean, compared to 2016, I mean, that was, that was, that was pretty much a wake. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, from what I remember. Um, yeah, it does feel very different. I think even, um, I, mean, I, I don't think I've been to a party conference when Labour was in government. And then even in that period, um, when they, you know, post even post referendum actually in twenty fourteen, I remember that conference was still quite downbeat, even though the independence referendum had been had gone the way that the party uh, wanted it to go. So um, it does feel very upbeat as it as it did at the UK party conference in, in Liverpool um, at the end of last year. And I, and I think probably the one key change I've noticed, uh, and Liz will probably agree with this as well, um, is the business interest um, um, in the conference. Uh, I mean, um, a lot of corporates um, are, want to be here. You know, every company wants to be seen here, wants wants to be present. Um, so that's a real shift. You know, businesses were not coming to Labour Party conferences uh, until very, very recently. And I think that tells you the way the, uh, you know, they, they think that the country's going. Yeah, I mean, I've been with some of the businesses that are here today and there is definitely, I think, more of a, an enthusiasm to hear from Labour politicians to find out what they're about. Um, there has been, interestingly, a number of UK Labour politicians in the business space. Mm but not in the conference space or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. spending less time in the conference space, which is about, you know, where the priorities are lying. And so there's definitely an increased appetite. And, you know, I know what a party conference should feel like when it's mm -hmm. good and buzzing and people are happy and expecting to win. And I'd say this one's about 75% of the way there. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I know anecdotally, so I spoke to an MSP this week, a Labour MSP who said he's fully booked all week and he's never really had that before. Mm -hmm. you know, he's, yeah. he's got no time at all. He's wondering when he's got time to sleep. He's so busy. Yeah. I mean, I think that really speaks to that. It that, does. That yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone is, is full up. You know, the fringes uh, are packed out. There's a real demand, you know, to, to meeting MSPs and, and the candidates actually as well. And that's what, that's what there's a lot of Westminster candidates here, um, particularly from the seats across the central belt. Um, and everyone wants to meet, meet them because, you know, based on current polling, there's a very good chance there'll be MPs um, at some point uh, this year. So, yeah, there's a real shift in the dynamic. Um, 
and you know, in terms of overall numbers here, I mean, the S and P conference was still was still very large in in Aberdeen. I don't know if it was more people in S and P. Potentially, might have been still. I think there probably were. Looking at this, looking at the hall that's being used mm-hmm. here, I think there were probably more people at the S and P conference in Aberdeen. You know, I'm not going to take this away from me, but there's definitely a buzz around the place. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be interested to see. I mean, I, I'm not going myself to Scottish Conservative conference in, in a few weeks, but I suspect there are colleagues from the, the Korean PNJ are. So we're keen to hear your feedback on what that's like. I'm sure we definitely will. I'm, I'm conscious of time. I, I, I wanted to ask you this before we go. So I'm always really interested in what cuts through, like what messaging cuts through. And I think one thing I've heard a lot recently is Keir Starmer and U-Turn and that mm-hmm. being linked together. I'm interested in how big a problem you think that is, particularly in, in, you know, for Scottish Labour having to then deal with the, the fallout of that. I think it's a bigger problem here than it is in England. Right? Just because I think it's kind of people down south kind of just it's just about not having the Tories right? and you've seen that in the swings in the by-elections last night but I think there's still something here where people are still a bit distrustful of the Labour Party after the last sort of 10-15 years referendum time etc and so there's still that question of what do we actually get when we get a UK Labour government and the more you see those U-turns, the more that question rises in people's minds. And interestingly, I'm not saying it is connected, but you've seen sort of better polling results for the SNP in the last 10 days than they would have expected. And I think that most people would have expected. Um, and I'm wondering if that's a factor in it, is that there are just increasing questions about we still don't know what we get when we mm. if we vote for Labour. But I think actually, I think I uh, said that in his, in his speech himself. He said, you know, we... We have to convince um, people, he said, that, that the S&P and the Tories deserve to lose. But the hard part is actually convince people that Labour deserves to win. And that and job's not done exactly, yet. Yeah. yeah. And just one last Particularly question. Particularly here. Just one last question from me. Um, we obviously like to tell listeners, you know, um, you know what the interesting parts of the Courier and the P&J patch will be for both of you. Um, is is there a seat that you can think of that's going to be particularly interesting between the SNP and Labour and that will be a sort of bellwether for how the campaign is going to go as to how um, voters react to each party? I think we'll have a prediction on how that's going to go. I'm interested to see, actually, whether Labour can get anything back in the North East. You know, Labour used to have seats in Aberdeen. It did, yeah. And that feels a long way away. Mm. Um you know, that feels like sort of SNP Tory territory. The Tories are in a really bad way. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see whether Labour, even without winning a seat, whether they can actually start to claw back, Yeah. you know, in the Aberdeen seats. Yeah. I think they'll gain a bit of ground in Dundee, but not a seat, you know, so is there... Is there progress that can be made there? Yeah, I think I think, I think that's fair. I I, I suspect we the, the parties share the vote will increase um, in Dundee and Aberdeen. Whether it will increase enough um, to, to gain, particularly in Aberdeen, where the, where the Tories will, will, will probably still I think do okay as well, will be challenging. But I think you will see Labour gains in areas like I think Dunfermline will be will be a good one to, to watch out for. I think the boundaries are, are changing there. But uh, Graham Downey is the Labour candidate there. I think he's got a very good chance of becoming an MP. So I think you know and could. Uh, in Cannonbeath again, I think it's changing its boundary, but I think those seats will be. Um, I think that I, th- I think they will, they but I will think change. There's a big question as to whether Labour can break out of the central mm-hmm. belt, yes, with this swing, or is it all I th- I think that's right. going to be across Fife, Lothian, yeah, Glasgow? I think, I think you'll see, you see a red band, I suspect, from from Inverclyde, uh, when Martin McCluskey is a candidate, right through to, to East Lothian, where Douglas Alexander is standing. I think we're taking a lot of seats, if not most, if not all, in Glasgow and probably potentially even in Edinburgh. I think it gets harder the further further north uh, you go for the party. It's a big prediction. Very interesting. Yeah. PJ Korea country, you're still the holdout. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you find that helpful. 
We'll be back February 28th ahead of the Scottish Conservatives' annual gathering in Aberdeen. Until then, pick up a paper or log on to The Courier, Press and Journal, Sunday Post and all of our other news brands so you can be better briefed.